It is sometime around 2am. And it is just Evelyn, a bottle, and one inexperienced bottle handler. You're okay. In these first few weeks, my wife has been doing the majority of the feeding night and day. My bottle feeds are hit and miss. Sometimes they go like a dream, and Evelyn is out like a light. Other times, not so much. And it's at this point I have to crack out the lullabies. Don't cry for me, Evelyn Rose. But perhaps not surprisingly, my off-key serenade kind of just made things worse. Don't cry for me, Evelyn Rose. Don't cry for daddy. This is the Man Child Podcast, an account of my dive into dadhood. Oh, oh God, this is gross. From the protests. Don't cry for me, Evan Rose. To the nervous negotiations. Okay, should we agree to talk about it? Okay, I'll give you the rattler. The unexpected insights. Oh, no. Oh, get it off. Oh. And the moments that make it all worth it. Smile? On my unlit first path through the fog of fatherhood. What the baby say? What the baby wants? What the baby do? This the baby life? Man Child brought to you by News Hub and Rascal and Friends. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. One day, in the weeks after we brought Evelyn home... Can you answer me honestly? Maybe. And as we reflected on the journey we'd been through to that point, I asked my wife that profound question husbands have been asking their wives since the beginning of time. Do you think if it was biologically possible that I could have gone through childbirth? No. Why not? I've seen how miserable you are when you get a cold. Fair enough. If I'm honest, I knew that she was correct. But as I and millions of men around the world await the medical breakthrough study that categorically proves that colds and flus hit men the hardest, I decided to see what obstetrician and midwife duo Neil and Jules Patterson thought about men and pregnancy. In your experience of men and their pain thresholds, could you ever envisage a day that you were <laughs> No, <prepared>? no. <laughs> No, I mean, there wouldn't be all this rubbish about should you have an epidural. It'll be like epidural at the entrance of the hospital. I then turned to Neil for a second opinion. Yeah, go entirely. Yeah. And as I discovered, there is an abundance of evidence on YouTube to suggest that the closest thing to a labour pain simulator makes mincemeat of men. This man is being zapped by what is called a TENS machine. It's a handheld unit that delivers electrical impulses through electrodes and directly onto the skin. 
I am told this unit can be used to try and simulate the contractions a woman experiences during labour. Now, it was my turn. Hey, Jam, I got a curry package. Except my little bundle wasn't delivered by a stork. Alrighty. Thank you. I instead got my tens machine from a courier called Greg. Ominously non-dangerous. I am not entirely sure how this works, but you can hold the instructions. I decided to recruit the help of my producer, Maggie, who, having had one child herself, was sceptical of the whole exercise. Oh, God, I'm actually really nervous. Do you want to try that? No, thank you. Having been through the... Oh, but you had an epidural. Yeah, <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> so I got wired up, two electrodes on the back, two on the stomach, and I hesitantly gave Maggie the controls. Well, it says during a contraction, press the boost. There's a boost button. Oh, God. Why are you pressing buttons madly? Um, no sensation. The unit is on. Is it doing anything? Oh! oh. <laughs> We decided to incorporate some learning into the painful exercise by having Maggie quiz me on my pregnancy knowledge. Okay, so just so we explain the rules, so if I get the wrong answer, Maggie's entitled to give me a shock. Your midwife will say baby is fully engaged when baby's head is down, baby's head is low, or pressing on your cervix. When when his head's down. That is incorrect, unfortunately. Okay, just just tell me when you're going to... Oh, look. Oh. (laughs) You're okay. This is joyful. Now at this painful point, I thought we should take a break from Maggie the Malevolent and spend some time on another topic many new dads, me included, will come up against in the first few weeks. The fine art of feeding. So it's just coming up midnight and I'm... Feeding little Evelyn from a bottle just when I think she's about to fall asleep and she stops sucking on the bottle just about to ease it out and then boom she starts sucking on it again oh oh, eyes are opening sometimes I feel it's maybe like bomb diffusers you know do I if I just take that wire out there won't be an explosion no warning light back in again me feeding Evelyn with a bottle has as I said earlier been a bit hit and miss there have been times when she takes it and other times when she steadfastly refuses one drop that's when I'm called on to talk her down from the crying ledge so sometimes I find that maybe you can actually talk them out of the cry? What? Why are you crying? Why? Is that reasonable? You? Yeah, I know. But there's other ways to respond to it. Yeah, I know. It can be tough. What do you reckon? Okay. Smile? But what do you do when these negotiations don't work and you are left with a cranky baby in the middle of the night? Well, dads, before you go off slinking to mum for sympathy, it is important you don't think you have it the hardest. Not getting into competitive tiredness, that's another one. She's tireder, she's feeding a baby. (laughs) Get over it. (laughs) This is Dr Amy Brown, an Associate Professor in Child Public Health at Swansea University. 
She is an expert in infant nutrition and behaviour. And according to Dr Amy, as it turns out, the breast milk we feed our babies is more than simply a drink. It's kind of like a medicine rather than just the milk. So it's got so much protection in it and different ways of protecting babies rather than being just about what they eat. So there's lots of ways that it can help them kind of develop their immune system and there are certain properties in it that kind of help fight any bacteria or viruses that get into their body. It's quite kind of crazy when you start thinking about it. And it's crazy how often these little blighters need to be fed. If you look at what the guidelines say, they always say like 8 to 12 times in 24 hours. When my research at the moment is really showing that that's kind of on the low side and a lot more breastfed babies will do 12 to 14 times sometimes even more um, over the course of 24 hours and they don't do it sort of in a linear way so they don't feed bang on every two hours they'll sort of cluster feed on and off for several hours at a time which again is really normal it's a way of staying close it's a way of um, stimulating milk supply. Obviously some parents will choose to breastfeed and also bottle feed their babies. It is something I asked midwife and author Kathy Frey about. I think there is quite an art to uh, teaching a baby to take a bottle as well as the breast. Personally, I think it is fantastic to have them able to take both. It just gives a lot of flexibility. I think it's great, but you do certainly run the risk of a baby becoming bottle preference which they call nipple confusion, but it's not really confusion, it's just nipple preference, because a bottle has a faster milk flow a lot of the time. So the baby sometimes, particularly if they're quite a feisty feeder, they can go, oh, I quite like this bottle, this is way quicker food. (laughs) Kathy also told me establishing a sleeping and feeding routine is essential for new parents and the newborn, and a whole other art form in itself. If we sort of start at the beginning of the day, because that's typically when they've had their longest sleep, they've woken up and they've sort of had a good two or three hours sleep, then the very first thing that you need to do is look at the clock and say, okay, in an hour to an hour and 10 minutes from now, I will be seeing tired signs in this baby. The baby's woken because it's hungry. I'm going to feed it over the next 30 or 40 minutes. Then we'll have a little bit of play interactive time when baby's happy, content, well-rested and well-fed. And then you'll see the tired signs and you have 10 minutes to get them swaddled and into bed because a newborn can go from tired to overtired in 10 minutes. And a baby a little bit older, it can take only as much as 15 minutes. So... If you've got a baby that's falling asleep on the boob, it's probably because they've been awake for more than an hour and a quarter. What are the symptoms of overtiredness? The signs of being tired are subtle. So they will clench their fists a little bit. They will make some jerky movements. They'll grimace their face and they'll make a bit of a groany sound. And they can kind of do the whole thing within about a two or three minute patch. Mm. And you'll go, aha, you are tired. Um, right, into bed, swaddle, darkened room, shut the door. Then if you leave it for another sort of five minutes or so, you'll see a first yawn. Some will say a first yawn 
is still tired and some will say a first yawn is into overtired. But certainly a second yawn is definitely overtired. Rascal and Friends Premium Nappies and Pants are changing the nappy game. They're known for keeping poonamis contained with features like a 3D core for an increased absorbency area, double leak guards and a high back waistband. Available in their cute signature print in all sizes from newborn to junior and new to the Rascal collection, sensitive wipes made with 99 plus percent natural ingredients. Perfect for cleaning up little and not so little Rascal messes. Get your Rascal and Friends from New World Pack and Save in Foursquare Nationwide. Back at the pregnancy quiz, there was stimulation of another type going on. For some reason, it's only my back that's pulsing. Like, am I meant to be feeling it in the... Maybe the baby's kicking. Oh, okay, yeah. Crowning is when your baby's head starts to emerge, when baby descends into the pelvis, or when baby's head is out. When baby's head is out? Okay? Yeah, no, no, that's right. Oh, I think I've asked you if you're okay more times than my husband asked me if I was okay. Yeah, but I had no one holding my hand. Aww. It's been really lonely. <laughs> the modern husband, partner in a great family enterprise, does all he can to help his wife through the long days of waiting. He makes sure that she has adequate rest and in other ways takes her doctor's advice. For me, there have been times when I felt slightly useless in my abilities to help my wife with little Evelyn. Not having breasts myself, when Evelyn is not keen on the bottle, particularly in those first few weeks, I felt like I was getting in the way. So how have other dads found it? Like Rob. I didn't so much feel redundant as helpless at times. Like Mm. when Lily was struggling the most, I didn't really know what to say or do to, apart from just, you know, be there for her and try and encourage her. But I, yeah, I felt like there was something I could say that would help, but I could mm. never think of what it was, apart from, you know, come on, you'll, you'll get there, <laughs> yeah. just keep going, whatever. Um, actually, I felt slightly redundant in the hospital in the first couple of days after he was born because mm. the midwives are, you know, coming in and showing the, the mother what yeah. to do and all that. And I just sort of felt like I was standing around getting in the way. But yeah. what I did do, and it was a tip from someone here, actually, um, He's told me just to absorb what the midwives were saying. So when we got home, I would be able to, you know, utilize those ah. tidbits of information. And um, that Lily might not have picked up, which she didn't because it was all a blur to her. Yeah. So when we got home, I was able to say, oh, actually, we should try this. We should move him into this position. Right. And that. So oh. that was quite good. And how about you, Dan? How did you find being the co-pilot? It's kind of similar. Yeah, you kind of just feel helpless. It's, at times, you're like, I wish I could, you could help you with this a little bit more. Mm. Um Obviously, you run out of sleep. That f- the very first week in the hospital is is rough, man. Like yeah. sleeping on the little mattress on the floor and <laughs> yeah. or sleeping, you know, yeah, you feel for like an, an hour airport. every thirty hours <laughs> or something. But um, yeah, so that was a massive strain on both of us. I was constantly sh- aware of the fact that it was a far greater strain mm. on on my wife than me. Mm. I just sometimes felt it added to the despair. I yeah. think. I mean, obviously, it's joyous and the greatest time of your life and everything. But you're also you're running on no sleep. And you're stressing over an infant's life, which mm. is a stress that you've never felt before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it added to the despair that I just sometimes couldn't help. I also asked obstetrician Dr. Neil Patterson and midwife Jules Patterson about the role they saw new dads needing to fill. You know, the birth is 100% just the woman because you can do it by herself. Physically. She physically, that's what I'm saying, herself. physically. But the, the rest of the time, the, the father takes a progressively stronger involvement. That's what tends to happen. So the woman is the only one sure. that breastfeeds. But when mm. they're five and they're going to the first game of rugby, 
basketball or something, then either can play. Yeah. So the father's role is up and down, whereas the woman's role is, is constant. You see, what's really important, I think, for men is that they're, they're actually equal partners here. Yeah. You know, and, and although she's been through the physical delivery, you know, like, surely you have a right to have that involvement. Yeah. What I have seen is some women who have this... It's, it's their area of expertise and therefore you're not doing it right. You know, you haven't yeah. got that nappy on quite the right way and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's, I find that really difficult yeah. because I actually think guys should be involved. And, you know, I say to women, if he puts the nappy on inside out, just leave it. Okay, at this point, I will put my hand up and say, yes, I did this. Interesting night with Evelyn. She's been slightly more restless than usual. Um, this morning was... Um, rather of a cluster of crises. The nappy had come off at some point during her sleep and between you and I, without any admission of liability, I think that may have been due to my um, half-asleep nappy um, putting on skills. My memory serves me well. I do remember thinking, Karaki, that might not be my best effort and um, my instinct was served um, accurate. Because, uh, yeah, she ended up covered in um, the brown stuff. And as for Dr Amy Brown, she has some tips for how dads can make themselves useful for mum and baby. I always kind of think, if you feed the mum, you feed the baby. So kind of looking after her with lots of, you know, snacks and nutritious food. And one of the tips um, is kind of to leave her kind of food prepared in the fridge in the morning so if you're off to work and she's at home all day with a baby who's feeding all day that she can just eat kind of snacks and nutritious food things like that so kind of see your role to care for her while she kind of cares for the baby but there are also lots of other things you can do kind of to make it your role with the baby maybe like you can be the person in charge of giving the baths or something like that now being bather in chief that was something i could do okay today's bath day so we're going to walk you through bathing your child. When you say bath day, it makes it sound like we're going to bath once a week. That's my wife. Do you want to say hello to the no, audience? Don't. Are you sure? Now, just to be clear, we do wash Evelyn on a regular basis. We've got to transport her from the change table to the bath. and try and make that as minimum a distance as possible in the um, event that there is a... Um, what's been called an emergency evacuation en route to the bath. Okay, so, en route. Now it is recommended you have the water temperature around 37 degrees Celsius. And in she goes. Here we go. And we start with the head. You like that, don't you? The first thing you notice about the difference between cleaning a baby and cleaning yourself are the crevasses. The need to get underneath all the cute little bubby rolls. Because if you don't, things can build up in there. Not surprisingly, it's quite common for us to have some mishaps. But fortunately today is not one of those days. Now, so far so good. We've had no no toilet incidents, have we? What do you think? Is that a good bath day? Yeah? All clean. All clean. 
not always a permanent state of affairs when it comes to new babies. Back at the pregnancy quiz, I was beginning to feel exhausted. Do you want to hold my hand? No. I think you're sweating. I know. But I was due no sympathy. Whereas my wife handled 52 hours of contractions, I couldn't even endure 52 seconds of pain. Oh, oh no. Oh! Keep it off. Oh! Whoa, that just really kicked. It's off, it's off. Oh, oh. That was, sorry, sorry, Ben. <laughs> oh man, that just that came out of nowhere. Oh. How do you feel? Oh, for a renewed respect for women. And now that I had been absolutely schooled in the art of delivery, it was time to confront the other types of deliveries new babies present. Because what goes in must come out. What the baby wants. What the baby do. This the baby life. Next time on Manchild. All right. Let's see what we've got here. I know. Does not smell like you come in peace. Oh, God, that's gross. Manchild was brought to you by News Hub and Rascal and Friends. Written by me, Mike Wesley-Smith. Produced by Maggie Wicks. With audio engineering by Phil Yule. Go to newshub.co.nz forward slash podcasts for more.